Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about the term for why you remember your teens and 20s so fondly, the Tetris effect that explains why things you focus on appear in your dreams, and the 19th century doctor you can thank for tree-lined city streets. It's also Cody's birthday! Happy birthday, Cody. Well, thank you. Let's satisfy some curiosity. There's a term for why you put so much stock in the things that happened in your youth. It's called the reminiscence bump, and scientists have some theories as to why this happens. And it's appropriate that we talk about this story on Cody's birthday. Because I love birthdays. You're firmly out of the reminiscence bump, though, right? Like, you're not going to remember today at all. Are you calling me old? (laughs) Is that what's happening right now? Maybe. I remember some awesome parties I had in my 20s. For sure. For my birthday. But I did love my teens and 20s. And you know what? Right now, we're recording this for posterity, and you're going to have this forever and always. I'm not that old. And unlike me, this study comes from the 1970s. Are you sure it's unlike you? (laughs) That's when psychology researchers ran a study where they took a bunch of participants and they were basically like, hey, we're going to give you some words and you tell us about memories related to those words. Then they plotted those memories on a graph and it showed that most of the memories were recent memories followed by older memories And it kind of trailed off when you got to early childhood. Right. But then in the 1980s... Which is when I was born. Yes. Researchers ran the same experiment with older adults. They found a gradual decline in memories as time went further back, just like before. But with these older adult participants, they found a bump in the number of memories from right around their 20s. Researchers repeated this experiment with lots of different variables, but they kept finding that everyone has more memories of early adulthood than of any other time in their lives. And other studies have dug even deeper into this. Now, to reiterate, scientists aren't exactly sure why this might happen, but it could be because those decades are when you experience most of your firsts. First love, first job, first car, first heartbreak. Those memories are likely to stick out more in your mind than the second and third times they happen. It could also be the fact that your teens and 20s have the most diversity of experience. It's when most people move across the country to college, backpack across Europe, and otherwise sow their wild oats. In your 40s and 50s, you're more likely to have settled down with a house and a job. But the best theory could be that the era of the reminiscence bump is also the era that psychologists say is one of identity formation, when we figure out who we are. If something happened at the same time you were becoming, well, you— it's likely to have a pretty significant influence on your memory. Just remember that those memories are subjective. Yeah, the world probably wasn't the best it's ever been when you were in high school and college. You just remember it that way. Also, it's worth noting, we're actually the same age. (laughs) Your birthday was like a week ago. Lies. All (laughs) lies. Have you ever done something for so long that you see it in your sleep? Because there's a name for this too. It's helped scientists explore both memory and brain structure, and it's called the Tetris Effect. I've had this happen to me. Oh, yeah? I went to the Illinois State High School chess tournament my junior or senior year of high school, and when I closed my eyes at night, I saw chessboard diagrams in my mind because I'd been studying so many maneuvers. It was really intense, actually. Yeah, I mean, I know that when I go to sleep after a really long road trip, I see like a highway coming at me when I close my eyes. Well, I'm glad we're not the only ones that have to deal with this because it's a weird thing when it happens. It is. So this idea comes from a 1994 magazine article by author Jeffrey Goldsmith in Wired. 
He wrote about how he played the video game Tetris a lot during the day. And at night, or even while going for a walk, he'd see geometric shapes falling down from the sky. Researchers started to study this effect in 2000 when a Harvard psychiatrist named Robert Stickgold wondered why he kept feeling the sensation of scaling rocks in his sleep after a day of mountain climbing. Even when he tried to think of something else, the images stayed stuck in his brain. These are known as hypnagogic images, by the way. To find out why these stuck in his brain, he launched a study with a group of college students in the Harvard Sleep Lab. After playing Tetris for several hours before bedtime, 60% of the students reported seeing Tetris pieces floating in their vision as they drifted off to sleep. While they slept, their minds continued to make sense of the game. What's most remarkable about this study is that two students with amnesia still pictured blocks turning on their sides in their sleep, even though they couldn't later recall playing the game at all. But why? It all has to do with how our brains process memories. One part of your brain keeps track of the things you know from real-life events, and a different part keeps track of what you know how to do. Specifically, your hippocampus stores those explicit memories from real-life events, while your cerebral cortex stores more procedural, implicit memories, like how to rule a Tetris. Amnesiacs who have had damage to the hippocampus still saw Tetris blocks in their sleep, and that means that the Tetris effect happens in the brain's implicit memory system. This ability can be used for positive effects, like learning a new language. Hablas español? Un pequeño? <laughs> That's not how that works. <laughs> Remember this. Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. When it comes to hiring, you don't have time to waste. You need help getting to your short list of qualified candidates fast. That's why you need Indeed.com. Post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard. And when you need to hire fast, accelerate your results with sponsored jobs. New users can try for free at Indeed.com slash podcast. I've used it before, and that dashboard is sweet. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms, conditions, and quality standards apply. Do you like tree-lined city streets? Well, there's a 19th century doctor you can thank for that. A lot of cities these days have tree planting campaigns to offset carbon dioxide emissions and improve local urban climates. But as reported by The Conversation, we might not have tree-lined city streets at all if not for the efforts of New York City physician Stephen Smith. New York City's population went through the roof in the 19th century. And with poor sanitary conditions and overcrowding, people started getting sick. Think major diseases like cholera spreading like a wildfire. And the expansion of utility lines, subways, and real estate development really took a toll on the streets. That's why in the 1870s, Stephen Smith said it was time to plant some trees, arguing that it would save lives. He was the author of a groundbreaking study that correlated high temperatures with the occurrence of children dying from infectious diseases. And he said planting trees could save three to 5,000 lives a year. The study became known as the Washington Elm Study, and it claimed that the famous Washington Elm standing on the Cambridge Common in Massachusetts had about 7 million leaves. The study also said if you laid the leaves out next to each other, they would cover a whopping five acres. That's from one tree. The point was to show the huge amount of potential good you can do just from planting one tree. In 1873, Smith drafted a bill for the New York State Legislature to establish a Bureau of Forestry. It didn't get passed until 1902, almost 30 years later. And even then, the funding for the program was pretty bad. But by that time, Smith and other citizens had gotten fed up with waiting. So in 1897, they put together the Tree Planting Association. 
The group helped homeowners plant trees in front of their homes, and some major movers and shakers were part of the association, including former Mayor Edward Cooper, art dealer Samuel Avery, and financier J.P. Morgan. Shout out to you gentlemen from me and all my fellow tree lovers. They're so inspiring, Ashley, I'm starting my own association. What's that? The Find the Entwives Association. Oh, jeez. Not this again. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they're in city streets. Where did they go? (laughs) Read about today's stories and more on curiosity.com. And please tell Cody happy birthday on Twitter. He's at producer Cody. Well, thank you. And if you want me to have a really good birthday, you can also tell us how you feel about having guests on our show. We just posted a poll on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash curiosity.com, all spelled out. Just click on our posts and let us know what you want to hear on our show. That would be an awesome birthday present. You can find a link to that and more in today's show notes. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network. 